Welcome, welcome everybody. Uh, another episode of Realtor Hacks, Tips, and Tricks. I'm one of your hosts, Hallie McCrory, uh, two-time icon agent, uh, coach for t- uh, Tarek El Moose's team at EXP Realty, and uh, host for Emmy-nominated TV show, American Dream TV. And I've got my lovely co-host, Casey Styers on. Hi, everybody. Yes, this one. Uh, she's also an American Dream TV host in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I'm out of Dallas in San Angelo, Texas. Um, and she is the queen of all real estate in North Carolina, whether that be residential, commercial, whether you're in the mountains, the beach, the foothills, uh, but based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we've got our friend Asher Fried on. Is it fried or freed? I, I know Freed's, I asked. But I'm always fried, so it's okay. You know, they're both true. <laughs> I know I asked you too, and I just panicked last minute. Freed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no. Okay. I and make Asher, sure to always it. be in a state of being fried, you know, but also focused yeah. at the same time. So. <laughs> so I recently got connected with Asher. Um, so he works on uh, what we call cost segregation uh, for, for people in real estate. Uh, it's a, a tax strategy to help you save there. Um, and I, I had, uh, my, my girl that helps me, uh, run my, my Facebook groups got me connected. So shout out to Juwan for connecting us. Um, but yeah, I, we're, I'm excited to have you on because when we chatted, I had no idea about cost segregation. Uh, and I'm glad I do now. Um, but not only will it help me for my own investments, but also help me to communicate with uh, my clients that are investing in real estate, whether that be residential or commercial. Um, and I'm excited for Casey to hear more about it yes. too, and obviously our audience, but Casey does a lot of commercial, a lot of investments. So I know she's going to um, be very into this. Um, anyways, welcome Asher. Yes, welcome. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> Thank you for coming here. on the podcast. I'm, I'm pumped to join the party and uh, yes. let's see if we could share some wisdom with uh, people who yes. could use it to save a ton That's of money. Awesome. So Awesome. Yeah. Yes. The okay, so give us a little bit of, of, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about your background. Um, give us like your title and company, but then also maybe what, what got you, uh, like propelled you into this career? Yeah. So I work for Madison specs, which is a pretty big cost segregation firm, one of the biggest in the country. And we'll get into exactly what cost segregation is, but, um, you know, getting into really into this is really, I joined an amazing company with a great staff more than, you know, the product was very cool. Um, so it was a combination of a very cool, significant product. You know, I'm not a CPA. A lot of people automatically assume I'm a CPA because it's a tax strategy, but I'm more of just like a great guy than a CPA. CPAs could also be <laughs> great guys, but, um, but yeah, so it was a combination of like the company culture and what it's made of. And plus the product is a really, really cool product. And there's a lack of education at a, at a very big level. And it's something that I you know, I'm looking to tackle to try to get this message across and get more people to be able to take advantage of this tax strategy because paying taxes is something that, you know, now we all have to prepare. It's almost April 15th, not a lot of fun. So if no. there are strategies that are not complicated, that could save you a ton of money, you know, you should be taking advantage of that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about, um, what cost segregation even is let's start there so we'll so we'll start by backing it up a little bit to depreciation right because cost segregation okay. is 
a weird word that a lot of times people will just, you know, it causes a lot of people to daydream, you know, it sounds like a tax word, and it is. Um, and it's a very technical word. But cost segregation is, you know, a super kind of depreciation. So let's just back up into depreciation, make sure we understand that 100%, and then you'll have that good foundation to, to understand the cost. Because a lot of people think that they understand depreciation, but when we get into the details, they don't. And then right. they get lost at the cost So what's depreciation, right? So um, depreciation in its simple form is you have a real estate investment property. It could be residential, it could be commercial, whatever it is. There is wear and tear that's happening in this structure. And the IRS recognizes that. And they allow you to take that as a loss, as an expense, on, as a loss on your income. And therefore, even though you're, you made a million dollars, if your property depreciated a hundred thousand, you only are considered to have made nine hundred thousand, right? So, right. it's sort of like an expense. The only catch here is is that if you're trying to get a mortgage, the banks don't recognize it. So it actually works in your favor. But before we get in there, so depreciation standard, something that everyone is taking and everybody knows about it. How does that work, right? So the IRS says that a commercial property totally depreciates over 39 years. A residential property totally depreciates over 27 and a half years, right? Whether or not that makes sense, it's the IRS, these are their rules. So let's try to get it and move on from there. So right. how do you decide how much depreciation to take off of a property? So residential is 27 and a half years. So you're gonna take the entire depreciable basis, which is basically the purchase price minus the land, and you're mm -hmm. gonna divide that by 27 and a half, so I always like to use the example of a million dollar property. 15% is generally allocated to land. It leaves you with $850,000 of a depreciable basis. You divide that by 27 and a half, which leaves you to around $30,909 per year that you as a real estate investor get as a bonus on top of your investment, right? So you got your investment, it's cash flowing, it's appreciating. And on top of that, you get to write off a loss of $30,000 against the rental income which is awesome right just totally right. awesome um so many people are familiar with that and that's how it works now cost segregation basically challenges that whole notion of the thirty thousand dollars every year for 27 and a half years cost segregation is basically saying yeah okay let's say irs you are right that it's going to be totally gone after 27 and a half years this whole building's going to have to be totally replaced right but is it really depreciating on such a linear timeline every single year? Like literally, you know, a, a 27th and a half gets minus off. You're losing $30,000 every year. Come on, that's uh, garbage. So uh, yeah. what cost segregation <laughs> is, it basically is more accurate. It's not 100%, but it's a more accurate approach to qualifying depreciation of the property. We're basically saying that parts of the property are depreciating much faster and therefore it allows you to zoom up the depreciation to the first couple of years so with, on a million dollar property and then i'll you know I, I hope i'm being clear but uh on a million dollar property what it will look like standard cost segregation is um i said standard cost segregation but cost segregation is going to be the first five years you're going to be able to take around fifty four thousand dollars every year right so it's around a hundred thousand dollars extra over the first five years that you get to pocket from your rental income. And I'm when I'm saying rental income, I'm being very specific because the magic is, is gonna happen as this episode gets along. But for now, rental income, uh, basically you get to pocket it 
tax-free or tax-deferred, however you want to call it. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Was that was that uh, was that clear? Yes, for yes. me. Um, so, but I, I've like had a call with Asher, so right, Casey, right. Feel free to, yeah. So, does that apply for commercial and residential, or does that just residential if it's an investment, not for primary? Yeah. Correct. So residential yeah. investment. Yes. So, right. like, so I have a house that I rent out right now, and. It, he doesn't pay let's be real um anyways so i'm getting a loss on that one and, and that's kind of where i was going with this can you i wonder can you get a loss on when your tenant's not paying and you're having cover so just to make sure i understand um meaning you're not uh, creating a profit from this specific property anyways you want to know if you could go ahead and take a loss on that property even mm -hmm. though you're not making money from the property Mm -hmm. Right. Is that the, yes. so, yes. so huh? yeah. So you would have to, and do you have other properties that are producing? Uh, we've just sold the one it was producing. So, and then we have other ones that we sublease out to people. We hold the lease okay, but, and the first right of refusal and then we sublease some. Okay. But so is it, so it's produced, so you're producing income from any other property and even, so let's say you sold the property, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So that would be passive income. Okay. So yeah. So basically, um, you would be able to take a loss and then it would offset the gains from the sale of your other properties. Okay. At least. Um, and for you potentially it could be much more dynamic, let's just say, and it potentially, um, could offset your income and your spouse's income as well. Meaning, right, right. Just, just now that whole, you know, monologue I gave was basically mm -hmm. saying that the depreciation offsets the rental income, but for certain people with certain jobs, take that depreciation against W-2 income as well, which means if their spouse is getting paid, you know, $300,000, right? Mm -hmm. And now you go ahead and do this cost like, and you have a hundred thousand dollars loss, they're only going to have to pay taxes on 200 K of mm -hmm. income. Okay. Right? okay. So that's assuming, you know, assuming that you qualify and we'll get into how you qualify, but yeah, the answer to your question is yes. Okay. So basically, okay. this is just speeding up your depreciation on the front end. Yes, you're speeding okay. up to the front, which means down the line, you're going to have less, but it allows you more, you know, more buying power and purchasing power that it gives you the money in your pocket today. And yeah. you could go ahead and roll that into new investments and then depreciate those. Right. So right. Uh, it's all about the strategy. So is this something that most CPAs know about or not really and this is something we should be bringing to them so or it just depends. you know i haven't interviewed most cpas yet to be able to like give you a definitive answer there a lot of cpas do not know about it okay and then even the cpas that do know about it there's a lot of confusion on what properties it works for when you could do it you know how effective it, it is uh when the bone you know i didn't get into the bonus depreciation aspect yet either uh, when you could go ahead and, and apply that, like, for example, many CPAs think that you could only depreciate a property at the time of purchase. But let's say you bought a property in 2021. Uh, you can't you can't cost seg that because, you know, you had to cost seg when I said depreciation, they think that you have to cost seg a property in the first year. Right. But okay. once you miss that first year, they think it's it's done. But it's not true. There's okay. look back uh, depreciate uh, cost segs. And you go ahead and you do a 3115 form and you basically catch up on the depreciation you should have taken. Huge mistake. A lot of people are missing out because of that. So 
Ah. Many CPAs don't know about it, and even the ones that do are not really grasping all the complexities that are involved in it. Okay. So do you want to move into uh, bonus cost segregation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get into bonus, and I, I hope everyone is seatbelted in and uh, you're buckled up because this is going to be crazy, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, cost segregation, we sped it up to the first five. You know, you basically made five and 15-year properties. I don't want to get involved in the details, but basically the first five years, you get to take $50,000 off, right? So now bonus depreciation goes ahead. And, and a million dollar property example allows you to take a $200,000 write-off in year one. You speed up a big chunk of the depreciation to year one. And this is when there's a 100% bonus depreciation. We're not there anymore, but just to for, for simplicity, you take $200,000 potentially on year one loss. You buy a property, the property's not even producing anything, right? Especially if you're a real estate professional and okay. you could use this against your regular income, depreciate $200,000 and your wife is making, or your husband is making a $200,000 income, you're not paying any money in taxes. I mean, I, I think okay. that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Run through that again one more yeah, time. I was like, that, yeah, I was like, um, yeah. Yes. So, so we'll get a little bit into the details just to, to understand the bonus, right? So- okay. Like I said, standard depreciation, you're going to take the $850,000 of a million dollar property. You're going to divide it by 27 and a half years. That's assuming that this whole property depreciates on a 27 and a half year timeline. Right. Plus segregation study says there are parts of the property that depreciate on a five year timeline. There are parts that depreciate on a 15 year timeline. And then there are parts of the property that depreciate on a 27 and a half year. So what five year properties are generally like carpet, the countertops, things that like get pulled out of the property. Yeah. lanterns outlets so basically a course like we send an engineer into the property he he allocates you know different parts of it that are depreciating on a faster timeline we go yeah. ahead and give those value and you divide that by five and then you divide the 15 year properties by 15 and then you divide the 27 and a half year properties by 27 and a half so the first five years you're taking a fifth of the five-year property 15th of the 15-year property and a 27 and a half of the 27 and a half year properties and you're plusing that all together, which ends up leading to, you know, a jump of 50% in, um, in uh, you know, in between 50 and hundred percent in taking over the first five years, right? That That's is cost standard. That's standard cost segregation, okay. right? So I shouldn't say standard because it's gonna be confused, but it's cost segregation. Now bonus depreciation goes ahead and says all those five year properties and all of those 15 year properties you get to take that off in year one, right? So 15% okay. is generally given to a five-year property as a standard. Obviously, sometimes it could be more, sometimes it could be less. 15-year properties generally get 7%, somewhere around that. So you're looking at taking 22% of the depreciable basis of $850,000 all in year one. You suck that out. Okay. So what what is the benefit to doing year one versus spreading it out? So is it spreading it say, out still? So you're not spreading it out. You're only going to have the 27 and a half year properties that are left over after that. You're going to suck out all the, the 15 and five year properties in year one. And now okay. you're just left with the 27 and a half, which is going to be around in our example, uh, $24,000 a year for the okay. next 27 and a half years. You skimmed off around 6,000 off of each year and you took it all up in year one. Now, the huge benefit is you're not paying taxes this year, right? 
Now you go ahead and get 30%, 37%, depending on what tax bracket you're in. That's in your pocket. Now you have capital to play around with. You were going to get a little bit of that over 27 and a half years, or even with the cost yeah. seg, you were going to get, you know, a, a bigger chunk than standard, but you weren't going to get $200,000 in one year. What this lets people do, it was for a while. Now it's getting phased down. We'll get into that. But it was people were buying up properties, doing a cost seg, getting that bonus depreciation, not paying taxes, buying another property for the next year, depreciate people were just not paying taxes. It, it was great. So it's, it's almost like you can almost treat this like a different way to do a 1031 almost too. It sounds like so, it's yeah, like that where you can different. like transfer without paying the tax or defer deferring the taxes. Yeah. Is that, is that like a fair yeah. comparison? No, that would be great. Yeah. If, if someone you doesn't use that do money to buy more real estate. No, but even if not, let's say somebody sells a property and couldn't pull off the 1031, right? Cause you got those limitations, you know, 45 right. days. Uh, you have to pick a property. Um, so basically you sell it and now you have a huge capital gains of let's say a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, right? Now okay. you go ahead instead. So now you're gonna have to pay tax on that, but instead of paying taxes, you go ahead and you do a cost egg on that property that you just purchased and okay. you write off two hundred thousand dollars, you take that as a loss. Where's the capital gains? You just basically waived off all the capital gains by taking the depreciation out of your new property that you purchased. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah, I mean, so now you could probably see where this is helping. Well, not only you, but any clients that you use as well. Right. Or exactly. that you, Meaning you, sorry, any clients that are like investor clients that are working with you and like being able to take, like, show your value by bringing them something like this. Right. I mean, if, yeah. if an investor is looking to buy a property, you know, we always, for investors specifically, will write a quasag report you know, a proposal before they purchase the property so they could see what kind of depreciation they could get out of the property and they could use that to underwrite, you know, the whole deal. Yes. So it's, it's, so, it's a part, it's part of it. Yeah. So this is um, best for over a certain dollar amount of the property though, right? Like it, it should be around, I think you said three something or did I make that up? Yeah. So no, I, I said $300,000 is where it starts making sense or okay. $100,000. Even that's a little tight. And you have to, you know, take a few things into consideration always. You have to, are you flipping it? Are you selling it next year? Right. These things matter. If you're selling it next year, are you going to 1031? Right. Because if you sell the property too quickly, so I don't know if everyone's familiar with, even this is by regular depreciation, mm -hmm. there's recapture tax, right? So all the depreciation okay. you took, all those benefits at the time of sale, you got to pay that back, right? So if you're going ahead and sucking out all of that depreciation into year one, right? And now you're going to go ahead and sell that in a year from now, you're going to have to, you're, you're going to get that as a year loan, basically. You're going to have to pay it right back. So it might not make sense to do it since it's just going to be a year's time that you're gaining um, before you have to pay it back. Now, if you turn yeah. 31, that is another way. I think you mentioned when we were discussing it originally, 1031 is a great way to go ahead and and roll it into the next property because just like 1031 works for capital gains, similarly, it works for depreciation and yeah. you could push it off to the next property. Yes. Okay. 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 But this is something that you're like, you're able to consult on depending on your specific situation. And this is, nobody's going to be going into this blind. 
Yeah, it's always case specific. Sometimes a course just doesn't make sense. You know, there's not enough depreciation there. Sometimes it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it depends on your strategy. It depends if you're an active investor versus like, is this one property that you're going to put in, you know, and have as like side income? Or are you looking to like build up a real estate portfolio? It's really always going to be case specific. But as a general rule, if it's a $500,000 property, you plan on holding it for five years, it's most definitely a no-brainer to, yeah. to do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, well, Casey, do you have any questions so far? No, my brain's going 100. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, Asher, listen, from I, here, do you have- I apologize. Like, I just shot up a lot of caffeine before the show. So, like, if I'm, like, hyped up, you know- I'm working on mine as we speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, where, where do you think is the logical place to take this conversation from? Having our agents hear what cost segregation is either they're going to be interested for themselves or want to know the, the information for their clients um, or both. Um, right. So where, so, so, so where should I take it? Like meaning how do I, uh, yeah. Like, like what part of the conversation? Yeah. Like what, where, what are the action steps someone would need to take? Right. So I want to, there, there's two different plays over here. One is on, you know, the realtor themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one is on their investors, right? So let's just focus on the realtors and see what benefit they have. Because a lot of realtors, you know, eat their own product, right? They're the yeah. chef in the kitchen, you know, tasting. They buy their own real estate as well. And they have yeah. their own uh, portfolio, right? So how does this affect them? So like I mentioned, um, depreciation helps offset rental income for most people, right? Okay. But realtors are not more, most people. For them, many of them, if they qualify and they have to know how to qualify and I'll get into the details, they could use it, like I mentioned earlier, to offset their income, their spouse's income, even if it's W-2, right? Right. So so what is this? Like, why is there a difference between a realtor and a life insurance salesman or a teacher? Like, why does this even exist? Why doesn't it just work the same for everyone, right? So the right. answer is simple. The IRS decided, that Congress decided this, that there's a difference between someone who works in real estate versus someone who does not work in real estate. For someone who works in real estate, they are considered that real estate is an active business for them. So therefore, any losses that happen from their real estate is an active loss. And the rule is active losses offset active income. But okay. for the life insurance salesmen, which they're great people and teachers are great. We wouldn't have society without them. But, yes. they, but they cannot use the losses from their real estate investments to offset their teacher's salary, Right. I wish that one of the biggest issues teachers faced was the taxes they had to pay on their salary. I think, you know, the problem is their salary that they don't get paid enough. But mm -hmm. even if they got paid, you know, $300,000 and they had losses of $300,000 on their property, teachers would not be allowed to take those losses and offset their income because their income is active and their real estate for them is considered passive. But for people who are in real estate and there's 11 qualifying activities and buying and selling a home is one of them, they are able to turn real estate, convert it into an active business. Real estate is passive. I, I, someone's renting my house and, um, and they're paying me rent. I don't really, I'm not involved in the day-to-day -day as a general rule. But 
if your job, if you're a contractor or if you're a landlord full-time and you have investments, so for you, that's not passive. This is your full-time job. So the IRS allows the losses from the real estate to offset the income. And yeah. since realtors buy and sell properties, even though they, the rules were not really intended for realtors, this is why realtors really luck out. The rules were intended for contractors, for um, um, developers, for people who are who are, you know, creating property and um, or syndicators or full time, one hundred percent renting out property. So for them, it's active realtors. I'm not buying and selling my own properties. I'm buying and selling other people's properties. Right? It, they're really an exception. And not only that, they were they have been audited because the IRS said that this is not what we intended. But guess what? The realtor won an audit. So like yeah. it was set in stone that realtors could go ahead and take advantage of this as long as they, what is called materially participate in their rentals, which is another section, but like maybe we should go get popcorn or something and take an intermission break or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So that's, that's really cool that real estate agents can do this as well though. And that it, like we have proof that it would be okay to do so. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it was yeah. like a Supreme Court case. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's insane because like really a realtor wise, why are they not? It's like a mortgage broker cannot take advantage of it. Mortgage brokers have been audited and they have lost because they don't. They're not invested in real estate. They're invested in finances. Yeah, their finances help real estate move, but they're not going through the you know, the, the buying and the selling of the properties like a realtor, right? One of the qualifying activities is buying and selling properties. One activity is property management, property management managers. If you own the business, you got to own the business also. Um, they could take advantage of, the, of this as well. And now realtors, an important part of this is that since you have to own the business, so they can't be on a W-2. If they're on a W-2 and they don't own their brokerage firm, they're, they're out of this. They become the life insurance yeah. salesman. They become the mortgage broker. They become the teacher. Okay. But, but if, if you're on 1099, yeah, which most are. So, right. So then you own 100% of your business. So, uh, yeah. which is also a great loophole uh, if you think about it. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, how yeah. can we bring this knowledge in to our, our client base? So, like, like taking to social media or like, talking about it and then looping you into a conversation, what has worked for the, the agents that you've worked with? So social media has worked, you know, um, the reason why there are people, course segregation is not a new thing. It's been around for a while. Our company existed since 2006, um, okay. but people still don't get it because a lot of the um, people who are talking about Corsair start the conversation at course segregation, you know, accelerate depreciation and they're assuming that people understand depreciation and are building on top of that foundation which is faulty so right. i think really getting this education across is really helping people better understand depreciation and the benefits and not just like oh yeah there's depreciation here and it's a benefit and i'm not sure what it is um, helping people better understand it because at the end of the day it really is the cpa's job to take care of it so like why should the realtor be busy you know figuring out why they're saving on taxes i don't care how much you know, why I'm saving on taxes as long as I'm saving on taxes. As long as you're saving, so, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't care. It's depreciation, shmanitiation, you know, but uh, <laughs> having the conversation on depreciation, giving people a better foundation will allow them to better understand the advantages they could take of the Quoseg and of the bonus depreciation, which in the year we're in 2024 now. So it's at 60%, which means you don't get a hundred percent in year one, you get 60% in year one. I you know, yeah. must mention that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like even so, um, like at least like sending a flyer or something to your, your clients, like that have investment properties and just showing them or, you know, giving them a piece of information about this that they can take to their CPA and check to see if their CPA is doing or not. I mean, that's just you providing that much more value and different. Whether they yourself. use it or not, it gives them an option. So right. it makes it look like you're taking a step further. Yeah, Which you yeah. Are. I think it's just differentiating yourself from other agents who aren't giving this value. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and we do this with realtors and people who are, um, you know, trying to investors buy properties. If yeah. there's a specific property that you want to get the depreciation numbers, we could, we generally will run anytime somebody wants a cost seg from us. So we show them the estimate of what we could get out of it, right? But even. Okay before they buy the property to see the depreciation. So if anyone wants to reach out and get a proposal on any specific property to see what the depreciation looks like, they could stick that in, show it to the investor, like, look, you know, I use this company. We got the depreciation numbers. If you buy this, not only will you get everything that you know about, but here's the depreciation that's here. So if yeah, anyone yeah. wants, it's a, uh, that's, yeah. that's available for them. It, yeah. It's but ideally free. something over 300,000. Yeah, that's the start. Um, and even 300,000, it's like a conversation. It's not a no brainer. So if somebody yeah. wants to like look good with the depreciation thing, I would say start at a million dollar property to um, to get that okay. going. Because other than that, like, oh, you're showing him something that might make sense. You know, it's not, um, it's not as big of a- Right, you know, right, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, that kind of, yeah, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, any yeah. other like hacks, tips, or tricks around cost segregation and bonus cost segregation that our agents in this audience should know or be taking action on? Right. So the so I'll just give a little bit of an overview just to make sure everything that I said yeah. is like clear because I said a lot. Um, right. So basically, you have depreciation. You have the cost segregation, which supercharges that, and then you have the bonus depreciation, which puts it on. Like I would say illegal steroids, but it's legal steroids, you know, so, <laughs> yes. so, so it's legal steroids and you get to take now, if, if you bought a property in 2024, you get to take 60% of that upfront in year one. If you bought the property in 2022, up to 2018, the end of 2017, really, um, you get to take a hundred percent bonus all in year one, that's quoseg and bonus depreciation. Now, whether or not you are in real estate, you had a question? No uh, yeah. No, okay, fine. So whether or not you, if you are not involved in real estate, so this bonus and this benefit will only work effectively against your rental passive income, right? Against rental income, it won't work on your personal income. But if you are a realtor and you qualify for real estate professional status, which is 750 hours in a real trader yeah. business and selling houses is one of the qualifying activities, as long as you don't have a side gig that you're spending more time in, and you are in a 1099, you qualify for this real estate professional status, and now you could depreciate and use it to offset regular income, 
ordinary income, your spouse's yeah. income, right? Okay. Um, so that's great, but there's still one more part to it where you have to materially participate in the investment properties, which just means that this is the case by any investment. Let's say you, you know, somebody's putting out some, uh, you know, video game, the video game business, and you want to go ahead and invest in that. Yeah. So you put a million bucks in, but you're not involved in the business. So that's a passive business for you. So any money that's produced that put, gets put in your pocket is passive income. And right. your rental property actually will offset that because they're both passive. But right. let's say you want to take an active role in the company. So you have to materially participate in that company to take an active role. Uh, and how you do that, there are some qualifications. And I'll give an overview. If anyone wants, has any questions on what I said, please feel free to reach out. I'm just as hyper and excited and alert like this the whole day. And I don't see well, That's what I was going to ask. If you're a silent investor, how does that work? Does it still count or can you? A limited, a limited partner. Um, you're saying like a syndication, you just have money in it. Take a okay, night, so that... for instance, and you've got, you can't have too many chefs in the kitchen there. And you are just an investor, but you have one of your partners that runs the majority of the show he yeah. says he needs money you just give it to him does yeah. that so count so it would be passive because you have to materially participate but there's a way around it because and i'll and i'll tell you the strategy i tell everyone especially realtors that's passive right and even though if they're a real estate professional they're taking a passive role in that specific property so even if they have other properties they're taking an active role in and it does work for that uh -huh. property it's passive but there's something called a grouping election where you could group all your properties into one entity. So even though that property you are taking a passive role in, it gets considered all your properties. You have 10 properties and you materially participate only in two of them. You get to group 10 together. And now it's as if you're materially participating in all of them. So to answer your question, Without doing anything, you would be considered a passive investor. But if you have your own properties that you are taking an active role in, and then you group, you do the grouping election, then you go ahead and you change, and, and you could take advantage of the depreciation where you're investing as a passive yeah. investor as well. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I just don't want to free. I don't. My my biggest concern with let's say doing something like this is not filling in all the details. Um, which I don't want to overburden, but at the same time, can, yes. you know, eat, a, can't eat half a cake and, uh, yes. really enjoy it, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so what um, you're sure saying is people need to jump on a call with you probably. To yes. really understand it better. You know, the best way I always, is I like to take someone's specific property and go through it with them, uh, yeah. and what it would look like with them and then build off of that. But you know, we don't have that advantage on, on this platform. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So if agents want to connect with you, I put your, um, your email here at the ticker at the bottom, but if you're listening in no video, it's a freed uh, F. Okay. So a is an apple F R I E D at Madison M A D I S O N cres.com does yeah. that sound good perfect that sounds okay. amazing uh it's commercial real estate services that's what uh caress stands for okay cool um just help people remember but um 
yeah, so anyone who wants to get in touch, you know, I'll go through all the specific rules and see how it applies to them and see if uh, they could possibly, you know, I know a lot of people in real estate who are successful are paying over six digits in taxes. Like that's something I keep on seeing online yeah. and like that shouldn't be <laughs> right. You should not be paying over 100K in taxes if you have real estate investments, whether or not you're, you know, you're going to use us for the course egg or not. There had, you know, there are strategies to help you get that down. So, yes, please feel free to get in touch. Yeah, I love it. Um, any other uh, final hacks, tips, or tricks around this that you want to share? Um, you know, just I'll just say this one thing. You know, to to play into you know being a passive investor, um, I always say that it, that yeah, pass take a passive role in as many investments and get that passive income coming. But just yeah. make sure you have the material participation in one or two properties that allow you to go ahead and take advantage of this, right? Yeah. Um, the 750 rule has to be done by one person, right? There's a spouse, okay. you have to do it. Material participation, you could ship in with your spouse. That's okay. another thing that people okay. should know that um, your spouse could help you get this, right? So even if one spouse is a realtor, the other one is not, they can help get the real estate professional status, but when it comes to turning the properties into an active income, they could actually chip in hours and help. So. Get your two properties that you that are local, that you could spend time in them, that you could clock in your hours, and then go ahead and invest all over America and uh, take that passive role. And as long as you group, you should be good to go. And you should be yeah. good to not pay taxes. Love it. So, love it, love yeah. it. Yeah, all right. All right, and that's oh, it. And I, think, I think that's it, yeah. Yes. Okay, and one more thing too. Asher talks with a lot of CPAs. He does interviews with um, CPAs all over the country. So I'm sure if you needed a good CPA, Asher could probably help you out with that too, who knows about real estate. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Asher. You are not wrong. And, and have you ever been wrong? You know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh... <laughs> um, maybe, but don't tell my husband that. I'm always right. right. <laughs> All right, right exactly. that, that, my wife is also always. always right. So, you know. Yes, but, yes. Uh, but. Love um, it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of biggest uh, I, complaint people have is that their CPA doesn't understand real estate. And a lot of CPAs are just filing taxes. You use your local, your friend, your cousin, or whatever it is. Right. But at the end of the day, you're paying $100,000, you're paying $50,000 in taxes, and you're in real estate. Real estate, the biggest attraction of real estate, or one of the biggest attractions to real estate is the tax incentive. So if you're investing yeah. in real estate and you're not taking advantage of that, it's a shame. So Yes. Yeah, definitely could help you out with the real estate CPA and uh, make sure you're in the best possible situation. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Any other uh, questions on your end, Casey? Mm -mm, no, okay. I think I interrupted and got them. <laughs> so. Yay. Okay, awesome. Oh, there we go. There goes the fireworks. <laughs> I don't know what I do to like, I, it was definitely the thumbs up. Oh, yeah? I can't do it. I'm like, it's I like, power. I don't know that what was, it is. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, earlier. Oh, I think it's if I do two, it's fireworks, and then if I do one, it's like a bubble or something. Yeah. Oh. Did nice. you have balloons earlier? How did you get the balloons? Uh, I have no idea. No idea. I feel like we're in Harry Potter, and like I'm a mudblood. You know, we're not even. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. you, you have the magic. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, Asher, thank you so much for coming on and explaining um all this information about cost segregation and. And how we can save on our taxes because Lord knows we could all use that uh, this, these days. Um, yeah. It's going up and up, it seems. So 
appreciate your time and uh, for helping us with our, our clients as well too, and giving value to them. And uh, guys, again, if you want to connect with Asher, he is a freed F R I E D at Madison C R E S.com. Um, I think he's on uh, Asher freed on Facebook too, or LinkedIn. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah, connect you know, with him. Social security posting. number. Yeah. <laughs> All the things. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. give him a follow. Uh, set up an appointment with him to learn more about this for your clients. Uh, give me and Casey a follow. I'm at Hallie B McCrory on Instagram and Hallie Beeler McCrory on Facebook. Casey is uh, at CB Styers on Instagram and Casey Styers on Facebook. Um, and yeah, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube if that's where you prefer to watch podcasts or, um, we are also on Apple and Spotify. If you're watching on there or listening, please, uh, subscribe. And so you don't ever miss an episode and share it with your realtor friends, your lender friends, um, whatever you can do to get the, the word out. Uh, we're, we're bringing a lot of good guests this year. So, um, Yeah. Happy to connect with you and appreciate y'all coming on and we will see you guys next week. And thank you again to Asher. Have a great week, everybody. Thank Thank you.